0: Welcome back to Out the Gate, the podcast about sailing and adventure on and around San Francisco Bay. When I started at my current job about seven years ago, a company called Autodesk, anytime I mentioned that I was a sailor, people would say to me, oh, you have to meet this guy named Jim Quancy. Well, it took a few years, but eventually Jim and I connected and we uh, didn't just talk, We went out sailing together. Jim invited me out ocean racing on his beautiful Cal 40 Green Buffalo. Jim's done an impressive amount of racing on San Francisco Bay, and it's actually a family affair. He met his wife while crewing on a race on the bay, and he's raced to Hawaii with his family multiple times. In fact, Jim's raced to Hawaii an impressive 18 times, and this year was going to be number 19, and his second single-handed race to Hawaii. Unfortunately, the 2020 Pack Cup was canceled due to the pandemic, but I'm sure Jim will be right back out there crossing the Pacific as soon as the trans and Pack Cup are up and running again. Before we jump in, I wanted to mention an idea I've been mulling about. This weekend, I was on a Zoom call hosted by John Kretschmer, he and I had a fun conversation on this podcast a few episodes ago. Go listen to that. It's a great one. But on this webcast, there were a lot of Bay Area sailors, and I was happily surprised that some of them were even out the gate listeners. So I was thinking it might be fun to get a, uh, a Zoom chat together of Bay Area sailors. So I'm throwing the idea out here, and I'll, I'll post it on Instagram as well. And I want to gauge interest. So if you're interested, throw me a, a line at, at uh, outthegatesailing at gmail.com or respond to the Instagram and, and let me know that it might be something that you're interested in participating in. Of course, uh, people outside of the Bay Area would t- be totally welcome to, to chime in as well. Um, it'd just be a, a fun way to get together and talk sailing while uh, not all of us can can get out sailing right now. Oh, and I wanted to give a quick shout-out to those of you who have reached out recently, uh, Glenn and Ben, who, who both shot me an email. I'm always thrilled to hear from listeners. Okay, without further delay, here's the interview with Jim Kwansi. Jim and I connected in person at work before we were all working at home. It's a fun and, I think, really informative interview, so enjoy. Let me have you introduce yourself. Sure. Jim Quancey. <laughs> there we no go. More to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, the one and only Jim Quancey. We are sitting here in an unusual place. Uh, I don't usually do podcast interviews in a conference room, but uh, we, Jim and I work at the same company. Yeah. Autodesk. How long have you been here, Jim? I've been at Autodesk 30 years. Wow. Which sounds like a long time.
1: But I probably I've been sailing out of San Francisco since eighty
0: three. So that's a long time. So that's thirty-six years. Yeah. So you've been sailing longer than you've been at Autodesk. So that's what we're gonna talk about. <laughs> sailing. Yeah, yeah. Since the podcast is also about sailing. How did you get into sailing? You've been you said you've been sailing out of San Francisco for thirty-six years, but yeah, how I've long have you been sailing? Oh um my dad grew up two blocks from the beach.
1: The house where I grew up was where? maybe 20 blocks from the beach. Staten Island, ah, okay. New York. Yeah, So we grew up fishing, clamming, canoeing, a little bit of sailing. Um, but I'd say it didn't really get serious until I was kind of 13 years old when my dad bought me a laser. Ah. And it was a used laser. And this is like 1972. So we're talking a long time ago. I got hooked yeah I was racing the laser every weekend and racing at the local yacht club I got hooked into crewing with people on penguins and um, lightnings and thistles and then it became Columbia 23s and Pearson 30s and Pearson 26s and Morgan 27s and
0: Morgan 30s and what was it about it was it the competition was it being on the water oh it's on the water yeah
1: you know the magic of moving by wind right yeah going through the water what could be more fun and you know at that age as a teenager we were on the water all the time it wasn't just racing I mean it was whose boat were we going to put the we were going to sneak the keg of beer on Uh Uh, you know a Friday or Saturday night in the middle of summer in August where it's kind of quiet but hot and you grab 10 people you throw them on a 30-foot boat and Go have some beers, you know, buzzing around the bay. Yeah, um, it's a different kind. of nights on boats, on moorings. Mm. So I have four brothers. Oh, okay. So we and where are you in the lineup? A lot of time in the water.
0: Um, number two. So you led the others into mischief out on the water.
1: Yeah, I'd say my older brother led us into mischief, and I was um, his partner in crime. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what brought you out to the Bay Area?
1: I uh, work, graduated from college, got a job with General Electric, and they, was it, they had a funny program there. You'd take a job mm-hmm. and, and they wouldn't tell you where. Huh. Yeah. So it was like we're gonna give you a job, it's gonna be I have an engineering degree mm-hmm. in manufacturing, and you'll you'll two weeks before your job starts, we'll send you a letter and you just need to show up. And with G E this could be anywhere. And I mean anywhere. I met people who ended up almost anywhere, so whether it's Boston or nowhere, Ohio, making light bulbs, or outside of Cincinnati doing jet engines, or down in Florida, triggers for nuclear weapons, or I had a friend who was doing gas turbine maintenance in the Middle East, wow. so you go anywhere, so I got my letter, and my letter said, go to San Jose. Yeah, and I was like, San Jose, where the hell is that? Is there a song about San Jose? <laughs> do you know the way? Yeah, do you know the way? And I thought, it was like, is not that by L.A.? It took me a little while to figure out, to get the map out and go, oh, shit, that's out by San Francisco. There's good wind there. Hey, this could be good. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and tell me about sailing for the first time, first times on San Francisco Bay. It's a little different than...
1: Yeah, well, the, the When East I Coast. got here, I needed a boat. I, yeah. I can't not have a sailboat. Yeah, So I bought a windsurfer, and I was windsurfing. This is early 80s. I mean, this is classic windsurfer. That's like all there was.
0: Yeah.
1: So I did a little bit in the bay, not too much. Because mm-hmm. with the old classic windsurfer, when it got windy, they kind of got out of control. Yeah. So it was mostly light kind of stuff. Latitude 38 crew list, signed up. Got a bunch of calls. Um, Good old Latitude 38 crew list. Yeah, yeah. Spree 37... CS-30, God, there were so many boats we went through. J-29.
0: You said we went through. Were you going well, with some particular other people?
1: Well, so by 85, I met my wife, uh, and we got married in 87. Okay. So somewhere in this sailing thing. My wife and I, we actually met racing. Oh. So we were on this. Uh, when, I got this when I got called on. Okay, no, no, so I gotta stop here. You I need to hear that story. Yeah. So How did there's you a, and your wife. Meet? So latitude thirty eight crew list. Yeah. Got a call. Guy says he's got an Esprit thirty-seven and I'm like, I don't know what the hell an esprit thirty seven is. And he's and he said he does ocean racing. He doesn't really do in the bay stuff that much. Um so I said, Okay, this sounds different. I haven't been outside the gate yet, so time to do this. So one of the other crew on the boat was the woman who would become my wife. So we met basically sitting on the rail doing ocean races and you really get to know someone when you're pounding to the farallons in a kind of heavy kind of slow 37 footer Um, i love it yes we we crewed together for two years probably before we got married so crewed for a year it's like yeah she sounds like fun maybe i should ask her out you know after that as we kind of bounced around all these other boats i mean the two of us were kind of a pair from boat to boat to boat i mean and Back then in the mid-'80s, we were on like three boats at once, right? So there's a boat for the ocean yeah. and a boat for YRA and then maybe a boat for doing some of the specialty races.
0: Yeah, so that was kind of fun. That is cool. Yeah, yeah. And how many days a week were you racing in the season? Uh, it was uh, pretty much every weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: you are know, not every weekend, but we'd be, I don't know, I think we counted one year, we did 35 weekends.
0: So it was a lot of weekends. That inevitably led. To get in your own boat, I imagine.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, th- th- what got, what really got, so back in 86, before we got married, and after we'd spent kind of two seasons together doing these ocean races, um, it was kind of like, maybe we should try to go to Hawaii. Because, you know, Hawaii sounds like an exciting thing. We're in our, you know, 20s. It's like, hey, we should, let's see if we can get ourselves a ride in Hawaii. Yeah. So we both um, volunteered to help with the Pacific Cup, which at the time was run by Bolina Bay Yacht Club, they had this thing called the Boat Nanny, where you kind of help people get ready for the race. And it was a good way to get to know all the entrants. Okay. Um, so in 86, we both got rides. I got on a Hobie 33 double-handed, which was a bit exciting. Diving into the deep end. And my wife, Mary, she got a crew position on a Holland 67, on a sled. They needed a medical person, and she's wow. a nurse. So her first trip to Hawaii is you know, big boat going
0: like hell. She made it a few days before you, I imagine. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And back then, everybody started the same day. So, yeah, she was, though not that much, maybe three days. Oh, okay. We got there in 11 days. We were hauling ass. Wow. Yeah.
0: How many Hawaii races have you done now?
1: 18. Wow. Which sounds weird. It's kind of like repeat.
0: I just love it, as you could tell. But imagine everyone's different.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're all different. Oh, yeah. And we've done a lot. We've done Ocean. We've done, I don't know, two or three Catalina races, maybe two Santa Barbara races, Uh, Newport to Cabo, two, three of those. Um, So we've done a bunch of racing. We do bear boat cruising, too, but that's another side of things.
0: Do you still race together?
1: Not as much. My wife's kind of like, after we did Double Handed in 2014, you could tell she felt like,
0: okay, maybe I've done it. It's one one thing for two people to live in the same house or apartment together. Another thing for people to be on a small boat at sea together
1: in a race. Yeah. So, so keep in mind, we, Mary and I have done the, the Double Handed Race in 2014 with, was her ninth Hawaii crossing. So she's not new to it. Right. We had done it together. This would have been the eighth time together because okay. she had done that one without me on the Holland sixty-seven, so we could, we knew what we were getting into. Yeah, I mean, there was no kind of magic to this thing. Yeah, that doesn't mean there's not going to be hard times out there. No, there was the yeah, yeah, there was no question. It was like, oh God, are we going to get each? You know, we're going to kill each other, because um, yeah, it gets tense at times. And we, you know, we'd both been through the experience when squalls roll through, and you know, it's too windy, and it's the middle of the night, and ship breaks, and
0: and you're exhausted
1: yeah and people not are not always pleasant when they are, haven't been eating well or haven't been sleeping well or all the things that can go wrong um but you know um in 2012 i'd gone single-handed so i had the boat totally set up for single so it actually wasn't that bad because hmm. with the autopilots sleeping wasn't a problem you never had a drive it, you you know you were tweaking the autopilot and trimming sails, but yeah. you never had to drive the boat. Yeah. Um, so, actually, double-handed was pretty, it went pretty smooth. It was amazingly
0: smooth. Well, you're still married. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: and that race got nasty. We had a, um, a line squall came through. It wasn't really a line squall. It was a front, where we had 28 to 35 knots of wind for five hours with the shoot-up. With the shoot-up. Yeah, so that was a bit. It, and I'll tell people we didn't really wanna have the shoot up, but we realized with only two of us there wasn't a good way to take it down.
0: Right. More dangerous to try and change it.
1: Yeah. Well, it became one of these who's gonna go to the bow to pull it down? And my wife's five foot zero, so she wasn't gonna do that. But at the same time it's four three, four in the morning, it's pitch black and I'm like, Honey, can you drive the boat in thirty to thirty four knots of wind while I go take the shoot down in the middle of the night and she's like, No, nah, I don't wanna do that. So um, we just left it up. Wrote it out, And the
0: chute survived?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Yeah, yeah. No, that, so That's the fastest we've ever gone on our boat. Wow. We saw it 20 knots. It was unbelievable. Wow. We saw a bunch of 19s, which is like, I'd seen 19 before, crude.
0: Was this surfing down a wave, or is this actual wind powering you along it?
1: Well, this is falling down waves. Yeah, and, yeah,
0: You know, 30-something knots of wind, yeah. That's good. So, so I think the, this question started with uh, the boat. So let's get back to the ah, boat. Cal
1: Forty Green Buffalo, been in the Bay Area
0: for years. And I've raced on it once with you. Gorgeous boat. I had a blast. Hope to do, do it again. Did we have any good wind that day? Yeah, yeah, we did have some good wind. It was nice. We're sitting on the rail a little bit. Well, it wasn't. I don't think it was. It wasn't brisk, it was spectacular, but. Yeah. How did Green Buffalo come into your life?
1: Um, It was all about the kids. We'd been doing this Hawaii races, and we had kids. And I'll tell you, our our racing really dropped when the kids were between, like, 0 and 10. It was just hard. Mary and I couldn't race together. Somebody had to stay home with the kids. So we were still doing Hawaii races, but it became – it just wasn't as good. So it was one of these things. We want to be able to do uh, ocean races and go to Hawaii with the kids. Yeah. And no one's going to take four of us. Yeah. Right? Because we had crewed that whole time. All these races we'd done were crew on all kinds of boats. Um, so at this point, it was like, look, if we're going to take the kids, we're going to go buy a boat. And it, it did some back and forth. Because, you know, initially, we, we'd spent a lot of time on a Santa Cruz 50. I mean, seven years, three Hawaii races. You know, at the time, I was thinking Santa Cruz 40 or Olson awesome 40 or, you know, something lightweight 40-footer would, be, would work. But, you know, those boats are hard. Mm-hmm. Lightweight 40-footers are hard. Actually, big, lightweight boats, 50, 70, that actually gets easy um, because the boat's fast enough that when it blows, the boat just goes faster. So we got convinced to look at a Cal 40 by a friend. From a racing perspective, the rating's pretty good and started looking around, looked at three or four of them and found a basket case cheap and bought it. So I'm buying a boat that I want a 13-year-old and a 15-year-old to be able to drive, yeah, in a breeze with the shoot-up, and my wife's five foot zero, yeah, and she needs to be able to drive it comfortably in a breeze with the shoot-up.
0: So you need something pretty well-behaved. So, have the four of you done the race to Hawaii together, or oh, yeah. raced together? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great.
1: Twice we've gone, all four of us. And then um, two years ago, I went with just the kid. My, Mary stayed home, and the kids came. And,
0: yeah. Yeah. I remember you talking about that.
1: That was kind of fun, because when they were 13 and 15, and then 15 and 17, we did the race with them. Mm-hmm. Two years after that, I said, you want to do it again? And they said, no. And you have to think about it. At this point, they're 17 and 19. Do they really want to spend two or three weeks with mom and dad? Right. You know, it's like maybe sure. not. And here it is, eight years later. They came to me and said, "Can we do the race again?"
0: <laughs> that feels good. So that was fun. Uh, yeah. well, talk about watching your kids. I mean, they grew up on the water. They, I mean, so did you. But uh, watching them become, I'm sure, experts for sailors and racers. Uh, I had a
1: Freedom 21 uh, on the city front. Um, when they were one, two, three, four, five years, six years old, we would, you know, every other weekend we'd sail over to Angel Island. So yeah, they were on boats all the time. They, we did deliveries of boats to Southern California with the kids when they were like three and five. We did the delivery of a J44. How did Maybe you balance Santa Cruz 50? The, those,
0: that, those deliveries with uh, a, a day job here that's at Autodesk.
1: That's hard. I've been lucky at Autodesk in that we have a sabbatical every four years. Yeah. We get six weeks. And that's enough time to sail to Hawaii, spend a week in Hawaii, and sail a boat back. I'm so I took advantage of that. And we, get it, we don't get enough vacation to go to Hawaii every year, but if you kind of only use your vacation for Hawaii, so you save up kind of four years of vacation. So, you, so every fourth year you have sabbatical, and every second year, between the fourth year, you use vacation. Um, so you can get the six weeks that it takes
0: to pull this thing off. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Make it work one way or another. Yeah. Well, there's another racing season coming up. I understand you're planning on not only racing here in the Bay, but doing?
1: Uh, our typical season, we'll do the o, as many of the O-Y-R-A, OYRA races as we can. We'll do a few specialty races, like um, you know single-handed Farallons, uh, double-handed Lightship, double-handed Farallons, the Great Vallejo Race, maybe Vallejo 1-2. There'll be a few, few races we'll do. But yeah, this, this year for me is, I'm 61 years old. I did the single-handed uh, TransPAC in what was that? 2012, okay. and I want to do it again. And a 40-foot boat is a big boat when you get older, just the size of the sails and sure. the muscle required to kind of get things done. So I was kind of like, I need, if I'm going to do it again, I need to do it now.
0: Um, um, talk about what you do to the boat to set it up for single-handing for yourself. I mean, you mentioned the autopilot before. There's a few things with single-handed. You need great autopilots. Uh One's
1: not enough. Um, You talk to anyone who's gone long distance single-handed, your autopilots die. I don't care how good it is and how good a job you do. So i have got two of them. You need a well-behaved boat. Again, one thing nice about the Cal 40. I mean, the autopilot will drive the boat under a chute in 30 knots of wind. And that's not true of most boats. Yeah. yeah. Now I will say, when it gets over 28, it gets a little dicey. But under 28, I mean, 25 knots of wind, autopilot, big shoot up, autopilot drive all day long. Wow. I mean, like I go to bed and sleep with the shoot up. Wow. In 25 knots of wind,
0: and it's okay. So that's 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 important. The
1: rest of it is a million little things.
0: Sure. Do you have to go up to the bow when you're single handing much? Oh yeah. I mean. Dropping the chute. gotta you know you're taking the chute down every couple of days. To make sure everything's hunky dory
1: and you don't have yeah. shave problems. I mean, the beginning you're usually getting the you know you may start with a number three to get out of the bay and get a number one up and change from a one to a jib top. Jib top's probably the hardest sail in the kind of in the quiver. Why? to deal with by yourself? It's just a huge sail and it's yeah. heavy. Um, and then you know you'll go to the three-quarter or the ounce and a half, and you'll do some, you know, later in the race, will tend to be the ounce and a half. Are these all hanked on? Oh, the jibs are all hanked, yeah. 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 So it's oh, not. yeah, that's important. Shorthanded, there's nothing like hanks. Yeah. Because you can just blow halyards and the jib comes down, and it's not going in the water. Yeah. Yeah. And other things, like a lot of people think shorthanded is having um, lines led back to the cockpit. Well When you're single-handed, no, you want the lines up by the mast um, so that you can... You know, have a you're you're by the, let's say, a jib halyard or a spinnaker halyard. At the same time, you're next to where the jib and the spinnaker are getting launched.
0: Uh-huh. Important little tidbits. In all these races, what are some of the highlights or lowlights that stick out for you over the years? Um,
1: the little fast boats are the big ones. You know, my first race was in a Hobie 33. Yeah. It's kind of your first race You're a Virgin. And, yeah. uh, you know, two and... Two, Burned into your memory. Yeah, 200, 210, 220-mile days on a 33-foot boat going like hell. Breaking stuff. We didn't know what we were doing. You're never going to forget that. 92, more 24, two of us. We won the whole Pacific Cup. Congratulations. You know, the clean sweep. Wow. In there 220-mile days in a 24-foot boat. I mean, you're, you're basically doing just under 10-knot average. That's uh, amazing. Yeah, shoot up, going like hell. you got to love it. Just surf your brains out up and down the waves on a small b- – so small boats are fun. How many of those two Hawaii trips
0: have you then turned around and done the so return So the only trips
1: trip? that come back are on Green Buffalo, the Cal 40. Okay. And I've done six return trips. Six return
0: trips, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love the return trips. You do? Yeah.
1: Fishing, reading, relaxing, looking at the stars, the Milky Way, all that. It's relaxing.
0: Yeah. But the races are cool. You're not bashing your brains out against the the, the wind? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah.
1: Yeah. A little bit, but, but little you don't have fresh.
0: the time time constraints. But you know, you can
1: crack a sheet, and, yeah. or you can turn on the engine, or you know, it's yeah. it's totally at your. There's no there's no uh, pressure yeah. versus the race over. You're pushing.
0: Which leads me to the question: Does cruising have any appeal to you?
1: I'm not a long-term cruiser.
0: Yeah, but we've done bare. boat my wife and I and the kids we've done bare
1: boating in Tonga, Thailand. Greece, BVI, i I I'm forgetting someplace. Yeah, we've done a bunch of, of uh oh we were in Sweden, mm. bare boat, um where you stop every night and in fact half the days you don't sail at all and you know, you motor someplace and you know, find a place to get a massage or a nice you know, nice bite to eat. Yeah. Um, yeah. so that kind of two week two weeks on the boat kind of thing, just bear boat stuff, oh we love that. And we're gonna we're we'll be we need to figure out how to do Turkey. And I think, I think before we're done, at some point, I want to get back to Tonga. That was a really cool place. But not long distance. I'm not, I'm not a, I'm going around the world. I have friends who have done the around the world thing or done the, you know, go cruising for two years. It's kind of not my shtick. Why? Uh, it gets like camping after a while. Mm. Because, you know. Yeah. Frankly, I think it becomes like a job. Anytime you're on the boat, there's a certain amount of maintenance stuff, certain amount of work going on. The longer you're on the boat, the more that's kind of what you spend your time doing.
0: Well, there's the old joke that uh, cruising is waiting for replacement parts in exotic ports.
1: Yeah. Most of your time, you're sitting someplace at anchor or at some mooring. You're actually not sailing that much. I I am a sailor. I'm not a kind of sit there at anchor type.
0: So let's get back to that and the upcoming single-hand race to Hawaii. What worries do you have about it? You've done it so many times now. I'm
1: getting a little older.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. But other
1: than that, I, I don't have worries. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be great fun. Yeah, yeah. You, and you're always afraid you're going to break stuff. You, there's the unpredictable, no matter how good a job you do. Um, you, you know, you break a shroud or something. And I've half broken shrouds. You know, th- things happen. Or we T-boned a, r- a whale well once 400 miles from Hawaii and tweaked the rudder. You know, that kind of stuff happens. And you, you have no control
0: over it. Uh, the way, uh, <laughs> so many questions here. So what happened after you T-boned a whale? For you, not for the whale.
1: Uh, middle of the afternoon, um, spinnaker up, going down a wave. We were probably doing nine ten knots. We were moving at a good clip. It was probably blowing 20. Um Didn't see it. Uh, one of the crew was at the wheel and he hit the whale. And, I mean, bumpity, bumpity, bump, like. Like literally a t-bone like it hit the bow and then it hit the keel then it hit the rudder and then it rolled out the back and it was a sperm whale and sperm whales are actually the one thing you don't want to screw with because they do sink boats yeah there is a history there and that sperm whale came back and looked us over
0: oh that's a nervous that that was my wife's like
1: and i'm like with the 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 guy who was at the wheel at the time i said just keep going don't stop and the wheel was kind of jammed at the time so it was like Just keep going, because you know this whale's giving us the once over.
0: Um, The more distance we put between us and that whale, the better. So we've seen
1: a lot of whales, and we've been close to a lot of whales. Sperm whales are a little different.
0: (laughs) You were able to get the rudder unstuck, or what was the?
1: Yeah, well, it loosened. It it wore. It turned out we didn't bend the shaft. It had kind of jammed a bearing. Got it. um, And it loosened up gradually, and we were only 400 miles out, so we had about two and a half more days to go. uh, it's just over two days to go, so we didn't have that much farther to go. And once we got, uh, once we got into Kaneohe at the end of the race, it turned out I could loosen up the bearing bolts and shift everything and sail the boat home. And
0: so that was on Green Buffalo.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: No damage to the front of the hull.
1: No. The boat is built like a brick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's half inch thick, solid yeah, fiberglass thick. all the way around.
0: Yeah. When a shroud parts halfway, do you say, okay, that's the race for us? Or what do you – what was
1: – No, I've had shroud problems twice on the way home, luckily. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, And that's been – you know, you go up the mast and, you know, put some halyards t- – tight you know, specters a wonderful thing. Yeah. Just tie some halyards, stabilize the mast, and, you know, keep going. There's, there's no help. <laughs>
0: <coming>. Yeah. <man. laughs> Pretty much. And you're riding the boat, boat hard. I mean, it doesn't surprise me that much that you're having – issues on the way home too because you've just how many miles is it to hawaii yeah so it's 2100 2100 miles there where you are pushing the boat to the edge over
1: the bottom and coming home is 25
0: 2600 because you kind of got to go north before you can turn east it's a ways does it feel different breaking things on your own boat than breaking it on somebody else's
1: <laughs> well, that's an
0: interesting question and you're right i've done enough of these races i've seen
1: enough broken things yeah Actually, it gets kind of like, you know, go get the banding tool. Go, go grab the. Some things are nice. Like you know, thirty years ago, you didn't have cordless drills, and now you do. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. Talk. What?
1: So what? Thirty are the big... years ago, you didn't have spectra, and
0: halyards would wear out. Yeah. These days, nothing wears out. So, so the, that's some of the differences. What other big changes? Obviously, GPS has come along. Yeah, you know where you are. I'll tell you, nineteen
1: eighty-six. Um, we didn't know where we were half the time. Uh, 1988, we had a sat-nav that broke 700 miles out. We basically dead wrecked in the last 700 miles. People don't tell you this, but sextants don't work very well when you're on the same longitude as the sun, and the sun goes dead overhead. Mm. You know, if you're, at a, if, if you're quite a north or south of where the sun line is, you can, using a sextant, you can get within 10 miles kind of where you are. But if you're right on the line... Sometimes you can't get within 20 or 30 miles. You don't really kind of know where you are.
0: For sunshots.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which is what most most right. of us,
0: sure, regular people can pull off. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I hear you. I've never, I've never had to do Celestial, so I can't even talk. I, I've done up. it enough to not want to have to do it. Yeah. Yeah, so I, clearly GPS is it's a It's interesting, capability. though. It's coming back now. A lot of people. Yeah, are, I don't know if I buy that. <laughs> well, yes. I don't know if it's coming back, but there is an interest in it. It's staying alive. Well, you look
1: at the boat. I was look, you look at the boat now and I go, how many, how many GPSs are on the boat? Every cell phone. Right. Right. It's probably a tablet or two on the boat. There's two handhelds, there's a chart plotter. The VHF has a built in, the AIS has a built in. I mean, There's probably 10 GPSs on the boat. So you you never have a problem anymore to know
0: where you are. Is that do you think that's the biggest difference from when yeah. you started racing? That's the big one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Has weather forecasting? Yeah, a that's difference? a good one.
1: There's no there's pretty much no surprises anymore. You know what's coming, and you know give or take a, within a few days, you know what's coming. Yeah, yeah. You, you know the old run the ten twenty line or. You know, listening to the weather, and they had these kind of encoded, here's the location of the high, or weather faxes, cranky weather faxes, when it was really a fax, um, <laughs> before you had PCs on board. Yeah, oh, you know, yeah, that was... But knowing where you are, because cause you know, when you're when you're getting close to Hawaii, knowing where you are, like you're going to hit the right island, like you're going to find the finish line, Yeah, um, is pretty important stuff. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, and then knowing where you are all along the way, because I, I never having done the race, uh, uh, but my understanding is you can go farther south, it's a longer distance, but find more wind. Yeah, the whole
1: strategy th- thing, knowing we are. Anyway,
0: yeah. Yeah, the world has changed.
1: And, and maybe the weather's the second thing. No surprises on the weather. Talk a little bit about your strategy in terms of how do you think
0: about that before a race, during a race? Uh,
1: yeah, I'm an engineer. These are all numbers. You get the data, you get your gribs, you run your routes. You compare it. I have the historical data from past races, and you do some, does this make sense? Um, it's just running. It's running numbers. Yeah. Um, it, it's a little more than that. Some people make the mistake. They're, they think, uh, I'll buy Expedition, and I'll get my polars and I'll get the gribs and it'll tell me where to go. And not quite that simple because any kind of numeric tool can give bad results at times. Um, you kind of need to know how to spot bad
0: results and kind of how to deal with that. Yeah. Have you ever said... This is it. The numbers are telling me this. And then it just totally flopped.
1: I won't say, have I misinterpreted the data at times? Oh, yeah. We, I, you have to realize to win these races, you kind of have to be on the right track within about 20 miles. Uh huh. And no matter how good all this software is, it's not going to get you that close. So um, there's still a bit of judgment to make. And some of these, especially the beginning of the pack cup, maybe one in three, the beginning is kind of strange. There's a cutoff low or there's a weird weather pattern. And it's not really clear what's going to pay off. So there is still a bit of um, finger in the air. I think this is the right thing to do. But, you know, it's, it's anybody who sailed them. You will know. That, you know, they hear me talk about, you know, it'll be a week before we know whether we did this right or not. <laughs> because we're doing well the first few days. That means nothing. It's a weekend when, you, when it's kind of read them and weep.
0: What haven't we talked about that you want to mention?
1: The nights are a thing of beauty. Mm. You know, whether it's racing to Hawaii, you're coming back, and something you don't get on coastal races. You get a moonless night where the Milky Way is just, like you could read a book by the shine of the Milky Way, you know, it's that kind of, by starlight. Wow. Um, that is pretty cool, and you don't get that. I haven't seen that. Now, maybe there's some mountain climbers who can also get that.
0: But when you're out in the ocean by yourself, I mean, it's pretty spectacular. Is that different when you're alone and you're enjoying it in solitude as opposed to?
1: It's great any way you look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: What are the differences about being out there alone and knowing you've done yeah, this you all know, by You laugh
1: alone, you sleep a lot. Yeah. Yeah. No, seriously, because when, when, it, when it's a crude race, you know, you're on watch, and you know, you're on when you're on watch. Yeah. And if you're the skipper, you're, even when you're off watch, you've kind of got this responsibility thing going where you've got to worry about, you know, is everything okay? Do I need to drop in or you know, what's going on? When
0: you're alone, you have none of that. Yeah. So what's your schedule when you, you are alone? You sleep
1: when you want. You jibe when you want. You know, there's no one to worry about. You're totally on your own. So actually, the, emotionally, it's much easier when you're single-handed than it is double-handed or crude. Huh. Double-handed is the hardest thing in the world because you feel
0: totally responsible for that other person. You're, you're never really off. When you're single-handed, what's your – I mean, obviously, you can set it however you want, but do you check in at certain regular intervals? I, I'm
1: an hour hour-on-hour-off kind of person. Okay. Yeah, sometimes it's 40 minutes. Sometimes you get an hour and a half. but Typically, an hour is good enough. Yeah. Um, REM sleep just takes twenty twenty five minutes, and I'm a fall asleep immediately person, which which is important. Yeah, yeah, I can get through, you know, two rounds of REM sleep and get up and check the sails and make sure everything's cool and do a little trimming and maybe tweak the autopilot and go right back to bed. So with that, I could, I, I sleep ten hours a day, in hour chunks. Yeah, like you you want to take an afternoon nap, which you could never do on a crude boat. Yeah, I'm taking an afternoon nap. <laughs> it's like there's no one there to say no. Um, you want to do a jibe at one in the morning, you know, with the crude boat, you're like, I'm going to have to wake up the crew and they're going to lose sleep. And then the next watch, if they don't get enough sleep, they may
0: make mistakes and we're going to have problems, but you're single handed. Hey, I'm jibing. So is your preference to single hand? I mean, obviously there's pros and cons. No, I like both. Yeah,
1: I do. Yeah. I like variety. Yeah. They, 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 they both have their
0: fun parts. Yeah. Yeah this has been this a pleasure yeah yeah been good fun good fun that wraps up this week's show thanks again for listening I'm Ben Shaw host and producer of the podcast until next week smooth sailing